in for Buddy Martin. Call him up and tell him what you're thinking. But be kind because he's doing the best he can. Better. Stronger. Faster. Mama says that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. Hey! What if the voice calls while you're gone? Take a message. <laughs> I'm ready for this my whole life. I'm incapable of small talk. <laughs> but that's why you love me, right? Kind of intimidating to be in the presence of so many great athletes. Good evening and welcome to a Thursday night edition of the Buddy Martin Show. Good evening, Gator Nation Kingdom, all you football fans out there. Ten days. Ten days. It's coming down. And tonight, we're absolutely jam-packed with terrific guests. This is one you won't want to miss. Be sure and text your friends and say, tonight they're talking Gator football in style. Jam-packed on the Buddy Martin Show. Listen to this lineup. In just a moment, we'll be talking to the Minister of Information himself. Yes, one of our favorites around here, Graham Hall, will be talking to us about what happened today in Gainesville. The great Chris Doring of SEC Now XM Series Radio will be talking to us. He saw practice last, the scrimmage last week, coming up uh, in about uh, seven, eight minutes. And then Scott Carter from University of Florida who's the writer-editor for FloridaGators.com. He'll be our guest at the bottom of the hour, followed by the Iron Duke himself, Franz Beard. I'll take a moment before I play a little video clip when I ask Dan Mullen about the offensive line. That's the question of the night and the week and maybe the year. Just a generic question about the offensive line at the end of the press conference yesterday. And I've got a little clip I'll play, thanks to Chad, for his help. Uh, and meanwhile, uh, I'll also want to give you some good news. Here is something to be positive about. Because before the night is over, maybe not so much. Things are trending in a way. I'm beginning to see and hear some things that are not quite glass half full as we've been talking about on this show for months now. I'll tell you what the concerns are going to be. Here's the good news. Depth at wide receiver and running back, you know that. Enthusiasm, competition. Dan Mullen said yesterday, one of the kids came to him after a play. He hustled. He said, Coach, how did you like that? Did you see how I gave relentless effort? He said, yeah, you did, but you didn't run the play right. That's something to focus on. Got to get it right on the field and run the plays right. Be concerned. I see a little improvement at quarterback. I know a lot of you people who think, no, no, no way. If they're stuck with Franks, uh, I think overall we'll see rising tide raises all ships. They use the cliche, a little improvement there. I still believe this team will win more than what Vegas says, seven and a half. I don't know how much more yet. I've made my prediction, but more than seven and a half. And here's something you haven't thought about. Look it up. Even years are good to the Florida Gators. What years did they win national championships? Now, I'm not picking them to win a national championship. 96 was a terrific year. 2006 was a terrific year. And 2008. Had some good odd years in there, too. But that's the thing. I'm, the schedule always seems to favor more championships in even years. So, but how good are they in the trenches, especially on the offensive side of the ball? Remember, the former Gator coach, Will Muschamp, never one of my favorites, but he said something that's very true. The SEC is a line of scrimmage league. All right? Tonight, we're so packed, we're going to do something we haven't done since we started the show. We're going to go commercial-free, thanks to these people. I want to get them in there right now and say thank you to our quarterback club, Dr. Cannon, Danny Williams, Center State Bank, to Tupperware Gin, there's her address right there if you need Tupperware for the season. CenterStateBank.com, CenterStateBank right there. They'll be hosting our event next Wednesday night. 
Daniel L. Hightower, lawyer, fighting for accident victim justice since 1976. Rentstar Medical Research. Mark's Prime Steakhouse and Seafood and CD Farms. So thank you to all those folks because tonight we're going sir, our, our commercial free. With that, we will see if we can reach the Minister of Information and get started on the program tonight. Let's see if we can get him to dial up here a new call. Uh, Graham was at the today uh, at practice. He t- sent me a note. He wasn't scheduled to be on the show. Uh, uh, and But he, he called me and we talked and he said, hey, I can come on for a minute. So terrific. Let's do it. Let's get the Ministry of Information on. Uh, some reports about uh, Lemons being very impressive, uh, well-composed, well-spoken. Anyway, he had a report, and he talked to some of the offensive linemen. And with that, let's bring aboard, on his night off, the Minister nah. of Information himself. How Graham. you doing, buddy? Hi, Graham. How you doing, buddy? Thanks for joining Good to be us. Here. Thanks for having yeah. me on tonight and yeah. talk offensive line, which is probably the most important position of the, the entire offense. Absolutely. Really think about it. Nothing gets done if that ball doesn't get snapped well and it seems that's Florida's problem right now. Exactly. Now, I'm going to take the liberty real quick of throwing in about a 45-second bite, which I, if you're watching, sure. this is when I asked yesterday, the last press part of the press conference you are there, about the offensive line. It's not a lot, Ruby. Let's, let's take a listen. Anything else? Just one quick question. Offensive line. Yeah, we're coming along. I, that's, a, that's a position to me that I, I we really, really need to – the, 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 the twos that come along much faster. Uh, I'm not upset with where a one o line is in their stage of development. Obviously, we still have ways to go. They're not, you know, by any means the, the dominant unit in the country. Uh, but they're coming along and improving. Uh, it, it's the depth there that, that I'm concerned about of the, the acceleration of the next group of guys well, there you have it right there. I know you're listening to it in the background. And the deal being, obviously, they're not the most dominant group in the world. We know that. And he's concerned about the twos. Now, you went to the press conference today. You talked to some people. I know you talked to Fred Johnson, et cetera. Give us a rundown of what you learned today, uh, Mr. Minister of Information. Yeah, the big problem is obviously center with Florida. Obviously, you know, they've got guys like Martez Ivy, Tyler Jordan, Juwan Taylor, a lot of depth at right tackle, guard, Fred Johnson as well. But when it comes down to the center position, which is arguably the most important position on offense, they're really kind of lacking in that area. And that was pretty evident on Monday night scrimmage. The ball had several issues getting snapped. It hit the ground a few times. Um, it, it was not the sharpest on Saturday as well. I know that Brett Heggie is out right now with that injury. Um, he, he, I've heard, is, could be possibly their center of the future. But T.J. McCoy, Nick Buchanan, um, and, and Villano, Nick Villano, they're not really, you know, doing the job well right now, and the entire offensive line is suffering as a whole. When Dan Mullen was saying that the twos and the threes need to work on getting better, that type of depth, I think he was specifically talking about the center position because T.J. McCoy is a good snapper. He does all the things well at the position from a fundamental standpoint. But what's holding T.J. McCoy back from being a true SEC elite center is his size, and there's no way around that, really. He's only six feet tall. There's only so much he can do, only so much muscle he can really add to his frame, and it's really keeping him from reaching his potential and holding the whole line back. Now, Brett Heggie obviously has ideal center position, has ideal hands, has a little bit of inexperience at the center position, but, I mean, he, he did play some games there last year when, when T.J. McCoy went down, but really... That guy's been out for you right now, and Mullen hasn't seen anyone step up, which is kind of concerning with two weeks to go. You know, ankle injuries can be very frustrating, can extend into the season. If Brett Heggie's not ready to go, I mean, Charleston Southern, not the biggest concern when it comes to having your starting center back. But if, you know, they open SEC play week two, multiple SEC games early on in the slate, if you don't have your starting center back by then, or he's still even dealing with an ankle injury, that's very disconcerting for a head coach. So that's why Mullen, you know, he's not beating around the bush. That's what, you know, a lot of this stuff is kind of grave and serious because, you know, Mullen kind of tells it how it is. You know, Jim McElwain didn't always tell it how it is. He would say, oh, they're coming along, you know, they're not, mm-hmm. you know, they're getting it. And then they come out and lay an egg and everyone's kind of surprised yeah. because he doesn't tell you the severity of it. Dan Mullen's letting you know that, hey, we're, yeah. right now we're out there. Don't expect a dominant SEC line. But we're getting there, and we may get some pieces back that could help us. 
yeah, for sure. All right, now we're limited time, yours and mine tonight. Sure. We're jam packed. I want to get your assessment now. I know this is like this moves the glacier like stages and it's not big quantum leaps, but are you feeling see anything in the last 24, 48 hours that would change your, any, your mind at all? Because I'm getting a little more concerned after hearing some reports about some, what some of my friends saw in the scrimmage with the offensive line. I don't know who they are. Give us a quick rundown of what it looks like now for the five offensive linemen, center being the position that Dan Mullins said is wide open. Well, it's important to remember that the offensive line is learning an entirely new blocking scheme. Um, you know, this is three offensive line coaches in three years. Um, they are learning an entirely new blocking scheme, going to more of a spread offense um, in that sense uh, that the blocking is totally different. The, the assignments are totally different. Um, and, you know, they, they haven't really had the numbers really to, you know, they haven't had guys fully healthy to learn all those things that have been installed. Um, yeah, that is the biggest concern, multiple missed blocks. That's why people say the defensive line has been eating. Well, that's coming at the expense of Florida's offensive line. Um, that's the thing really for Florida right now. They just keep making too many mental mistakes. And, you know, you played the clip where it's like, oh, you know, it gave relentless effort and they're attacking it. But it's coming down to, like you said, coverages, learning um, the, the blocking scheme. Um, that's what's holding Florida back. You know, they have a lot of experience, but they also have a lot of inexperience. They have guys like Martez Ivy, true senior, Tyler Jordan, who has played at every position on the line. But then they have guys like John DeLance, Nick Buchanan, who haven't even seen the field for Florida. It's, it's kind of, you know, it's five guys that need to work as one, and there's no other position really out there like that on the football field. You know, every other position has their own assignments. There's five guys who need to be, you know, cohesive and work together, and they really haven't had a chance to do it as one unit while there is experience yeah. there. That kind of makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And one of our uh, listeners, Sean, said left tackle, Ivy, left guard, Hagee, center Buchanan, right guard, Johnson, right tackle, Taylor. How do you like that five? I think Tyler Jordan's going to end up taking that left uh, guard spot, and then I think Hagee will center. become the center. Um, I just think it's a matter of time. T.J. McCoy is a steady presence right now for them because he has experience. But Brett Heggie is a perfect center body type. Yeah. Uh, he played it in high school at Mount Dora. I think that he eventually takes that position this season. Um, I think T.J. McCoy is a guy who can play multiple positions. But I think that uh, Fred Johnson, right guard, um, Jawan Taylor, right tackle, Brett Heggie center. I think yeah. that's how it shakes out this year. And then Florida needs to really work on the depth for the rest of the, the offensive line. Great stuff, as always, for the Minister of Information hey, coming on, crashing right in there. Thank you, buddy. We'll talk to you next Monday night, hopefully. So, guys. All right. Graham Hall, you got his uh, Twitter right there if you need to get uh, in touch with him. He tweets a lot, and uh, he will be back with us next week, as he usually is on Monday. Glad to have him. We're going right back to Skype, although he didn't have a Skype uh, number. i got to get. I got to work on Chris. Uh He's, uh, he didn't have quite, had not have it down just quite yet in terms of the Skyping, but we're going to work on him. We're glad to get Chris on anytime. Uh, and uh, we want to, uh, let's see if we can get him on, first of all. Um, there you go. <clears throat> um, and, uh, of course, Chris does the work at XM Series and uh, SEC Now, and he's uh, developing to quite a good analyst, I think. And uh, he's uh, obviously lives in games, grew up in games, and he's on the line now. That would be the man himself. Dorian got a touchdown. What's up, Chris? How you doing, buddy? Doing good. We're a couple minutes late. Uh, we had uh, one of our reporters on, and he had a lot of information to share about the offensive no line. So we wanted to be sure he got that in. But, uh, hey, listen, uh, good to talk to you again. Uh, people love uh, having you on the program and love hearing you on uh, XM Sirius. And uh, thanks for having me on the other day. You and two, I said two of my favorite people at one time. Uh, yeah, David, David Moulton and Chris Dory, man. That's pretty cool. Good yeah, stuff. I enjoyed having you on. I appreciate you doing that. And yeah. uh, always a pleasure to be on your show. So anytime, buddy. Well, thank you very much. Well, thanks for being on this show. Uh, and tell me what you've been doing, man. Catch me up with Chris Dory. Man, it's been busy, actually. You know, we got our feet wet for the uh, 2018 season on the TV side last week. So I was up in Charlotte doing a couple shows at the SEC Network studio. And then, uh, as you referenced, they're just staying busy with my Sirius XM show on the SEC channel. And the afternoons usually from three to six. Um, did actually took the day off today to to travel down your neck of the woods. I was at uh, Trinity Catholic for my daughter's volleyball game yeah, the last two yeah. nights, so uh, had a chance to go out and do that. But other than that, just uh, kind of crank things up here for the football season, man. Nice, I'm ready for it. I know you are too. Uh, and uh, we're, uh, I mean, 
I saw a video today. I, I think it might have been illegal. I don't know because they disappeared. But it was obviously a video that somebody had made of Tom Petty, Don't Back Down, with some of the old pictures in the swamp. And I wanted to play it tonight, but I couldn't because it's too risky. Obviously, the person who had it on Twitter took it down. Somebody from the Generation Kingdom sent it to me. The Twitter account, account is closed, and it's nowhere on the University of Florida. Clearly, somebody did it from the University of Florida, and they took it down. It gets you so jacked up to look out there and watch. And the, and the lyrics of Don't Back Down, Tom Petty, who you know very well, and all the great scenes at the swamp and going back to your days and headball coaches on the sideline and some of the great plays, Emmett Smith and whatever. You, and you begin to realize the, le, the legacy. And you know this as a former Gator player, how great that becomes over the years when you've got something to build it on, names and championships, whatever. And when you rely on that times like this, when you have to kind of regroup and circle the wagon and say, hey, we're the Florida Gators, man. You know, let's, yeah. let's act like it, right? Well, you know this about me more than probably most people do, but I grew up here as part of the, the Gator fan base and, you know, those names you mentioned, Emmett Smith before that, Wilbur Marshall, you know, Chris Collinsworth, Tyrone Young. I mean, these guys were, were big influences on my life as a, as a young kid throughout my, my childhood and then, you know, getting a chance to play at Florida and now to be amongst that group, you know, it's such an honor to, uh, to have these get-togethers like we're going to have on Sunday night, the former players barbecue that the, uh, the coaching staff and the university is kind enough to put on for us. It is such a pleasure, and I still kind of get, still kind of in awe every time I see some of those guys. You know, Wayne Peace was was one that I get together with and, and see here at some Wayne of these Peace. events, and still kind of gives me mm-hmm. uh, gives me a little bit of chills from being a kid watching him. I mean, so it's such a such a fun fraternity to be a part of, and I really am grateful to have had the opportunity to play at Florida and to, uh, to you know to to be amongst the, uh, the that that the players that have played there. Man, it's such a uh, such an honor. Yeah, you know, and uh, and there's so many subtleties of in, in the history. Uh, Dan Mullen told one yesterday, and he, I never knew this, talking about record number of games started. Okay, I guess it was Bubba Caldwell who had started every game. And something happened at Vanderbilt on the kickoff where they recovered the ball on the one-yard line, and they had the jumbo package in there. And the first play they ran it, and he technically did not start that game. Oh. Otherwise, he would have started every game. Small things like that. Only history can assure you those kinds of things. You're in the record books for all kinds of records, and you still are tied for most touchdown passes in in uh, in the SEC. And uh, you know, you look back in, in the end. People don't understand till you start comparing numbers over the years. It's like you start talking about golf, and this guy's the greatest ever, or baseball. Uh, Mike Trout. Someone said, "Well, Mike Trout. Look, he's in, he's all of it." You compare Mike Trout to the other great players, like Albert Pujols, is batting thirty points higher in career. So you got to put perspective on it. And I love the Gator history, and you have this ability because you not only played it, but you followed it. And I think it means more to you, Chris, as you get older. Yeah, it, it, you know, it, I think it meant more to me as a player in Florida mm-hmm. because I knew the history, because right. I followed, you know, all those great years, and even more so. The time that I was there, because you know, as I've said on your show many times before, mm-hmm. I was familiar with that "wait till next year" mantra. Oh, yeah. I was familiar yeah. with the disappointments that came along with being a Gator fan, and so when we kind of changed the narrative and became a team that that was now dominant, winning SEC championship after SEC championship, it was uh, cool to kind of have been a part of, of that turning point. And now, for a lot of younger Gator fans. They don't know the University of Florida as anything other than a football powerhouse mm-hmm. for the most part. And even though we've had a couple down years here and there, mm-hmm. the championships that, that people can point to now, um, you know, for the for the younger folks, they don't realize it wasn't always that way. And it wasn't until 1990 that things mm-hmm. really began to permanently change and become what they are today. Yeah, for sure. And and last point about this before we start talking about this team is that I still believe that we talk, we've talked this a bunch of times, and I think I said it on Five Bomb Show, and maybe other places that I believe in the territorial imperative, okay? That's that you're, you're bred to defend your ground, all right? I don't mean stand the ground, your ground law. That's not the same thing. I guess it is, baby. But this is about when you're from here and you grow up with it, somehow it, it means more to win and it hurts more to lose. So when you widen that circle, you start recruiting nationally like Urban did. He got some great players. 
you get guys from California and different parts of the country, it doesn't mean as much. Yeah. I'm sorry. Now, not that they don't care. They do. But, Chris Doran, you lived and died. When I was a kid, if the Gators lost and my high school team lost on a weekend, I was 12 or 13. I was bummed out the entire weekend. <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way. It used to be for me. It was if, if P.K. Young lost, yeah. if the Gators lost, if the Dolphins lost on yeah. Sunday, it was the trifecta, you know, of yeah. uh, terrible things happening. So exactly. I'm, I'm with you 100%. And I think, to me, that's why – you know, we talk about that Kentucky catch, and it's hard to believe, but oh. it's going to be 25 years. Is it really? 25 yeah, a year? We got 25 be a... years. Oh, yeah, man. It'll be, uh, it's hard to believe it's been that long. But to, to, have, to have made that catch, and, and referencing historical oh, yeah. times with the Gators, it was always a disappointment. It was, it was Lindsey Scott you know, catching that pass from Buck Ballou. It was the, uh, the, the Kentucky, losing to Kentucky up there in, what, 86 or whatever, 85, somewhere around there. The, the, the disappointments – when the, the victory, when the success was you know, within grasping distance. Mm-hmm. And then to have caught that pass in Kentucky in 93, it, to me it meant a lot because I knew there were a lot of little kids out there that, were, that would have been heartbroken had we lost that yeah. game like I was when we lost those games. Yeah. And so it was kind of cool for me to, to kind of have had a chance to help save the day and save some, save some tears for the Gator kids. i tell you what, and to this day I still think it's Mick's greatest call of all. And we had some most the biggest signature call he's made. He had yeah. some good ones, but that's one of his one of his great. Well, that week sometime I have to get you and Mick on together. When, For sure, when that'd be great. That, I'd love great to do that. So, yeah. all right, let's talk about 2018. Uh, we've had some reports out of Gainesville. Uh, people are very optimistic. Some guy from CBS I never heard of picked Florida to make the Final Four. That guy's crazy. <laughs> that might be a little, a little bit over uh, zealous and a little bit uh, amped up, and but you know, okay. So, but the idea is that we're talking now different than we were four or five months ago. What we have to be careful of is getting uh, delusional. Yeah. And, and I know I've talked a lot of. I'm not, I'm not a sunshine pumper, but I like to emphasize glass half full. Sure. When we break it down. See if you agree with this assessment. We know what we got. I say we, meaning the Florida Gator fans, uh, in terms of the running backs, wide receivers, quarterback is a question. I think the tight ends are going to be very good, and just what I'm here and see a little bit I'm seeing. Uh, we know their offensive line is a big question mark. Defensively, the linebackers, some people, I feel better about the linebackers than most people do. Terrific corners, but safeties are a big question. I think D-line's solid. Now, that's yeah. my assessment. Am I off on that? No, I mean, I think you're right, and let's, let's talk a little deeper about some of those things. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've mentioned to you before how great a running back and deep, talented pool of mm-hmm. running back um, group this is. I mean, they're, they're just watching those guys, and I had a chance to go out to practice on Saturday, mm-hmm. watching the depth of talent. I mean, Malik Davis now looks like he you know, never, even, never even missed any time with that knee injury. He yeah. hits the hole hard again. He's got that cutting ability, so it's nice to see that. You see P. Ryan break off a long run. Mm-hmm. Scarlett's running with a chip on his shoulder. Um, just you know, the two young guys. There's so many, so many players there. It's so hard to probably keep everybody happy with touches. So that's a good problem to have. Receiving wise, I look at Van Jefferson on Saturday. Jefferson and Grimes are catching deep balls in seven on seven. It's bombs away. You know, Tyree Cleveland's catching the ball in intermediate routes with his hands, mm-hmm. running some of those middle routes that we never seen him run wow, before. Really? I think they've really improved on, on those those positions and and you know i'm with you i think the tight ends are going to be a little bit young outside of Seante lewis but um you know they've got some talent they got some potential there but none of that matters unless they can make improvement on the offensive line and at the quarterback position and those two those two positions go hand in hand right i mean we look at mm-hmm. the 36 sacks that florida's offensive line gave up last year they were definitely inconsistent but some of those sacks belong to the quarterback, particularly Felipe Franks holding on to the football too long, not knowing where to go with the football. Mm-hmm. Those two groups have to work hand-in-hand hand together. And right now, from what I saw on Saturday, you know, while you see pockets of success, and I do think that um, Felipe looks better than what he did last year for the okay. majority of the year. I'm glad to hear that. And I yeah. think decision-making is everything. But Yeah, I mean, I think for him, the best thing you can do is a lot of the quick game, not have him have to think too much, get the snap, get the ball out, and let's move on. I mean, there's a lot of talent around the quarterback. So if it's Trask, if it's, if it's um, Felipe, I do think they'll have a package in for Emory that they'll run from time to time just to keep the defense honest and to give Emory some experience. But at the end of the day, distribute the football to your playmakers. But that's fine and, fine and good. But if you don't have time up front 
to be able to do that, it becomes very difficult. So that offensive line, to me, still has a long way to go from what I saw on Saturday, and that's, that's, you know, it's kind of scary given that we're only a couple weeks away from game day. On the defensive side, buddy, I think, you know, you hit the nail on the head. The starting linebackers are really good. In the secondary, the starters are good. But we know nobody's going to be able to go through the, the season, you know, without taking some injuries. If they take injuries at the linebacker and secondary position, it could be really, really fatal for this defense because I think they have an outstanding defensive line. I said this on SEC now the other night on the SEC Network. I had Florida as the third-best defensive line in the entire conference. Really? They're very deep. They're very talented. They're versatile. They can play inside. They can play outside. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think it, it, that's a great thing when you have some secondary issues. I think the corners, C.J. Henderson and Marco Wilson, are amongst the best tandem in the entire conference. They really are. But behind them, there's just a lot of youth and inexperience yeah. at um, both the corner and the, and the safety position. So it's, it's a tenuous spot for Florida to be in if they do suffer any mm-hmm. sort of injury in the, in the second half of the defense. Sure. All right, so now I have a couple questions from our people here. Uh, one one person wants to know uh, about uh, if you think that, well, this person says, how is Damian um, um, Pierce looking? People seem to be talking about him a lot. Really uh, good. Look really good. So uh, Really good. I, you know, I think you know, of, of the two, I've, I've probably seen Pierce a little bit more than, um, than uh, Iverson uh, Clement. But uh, I do think that Pierce has a chance to be really, really good. I mean, he's got some burst. He's got some physicality to him. Finishes runs, falling forward. Really impressed with him. And you can see why you know, he was able to break Herschel Walker's uh, touchdown record from high school there in the state of Georgia. So really excited to see how his, his career progresses. And, again, hopefully they can, they can keep all these guys engaged and allow them you know, to have some touches because of the embarrassment of riches they have at the running back spot. Yes, for sure. Um, other people asking about, I don't know Andrew Chatfield. Do you know who he is? I do not. No, oh, I'm sorry. sorry. Richie asking, I have no idea who that is. Uh, uh, I guess I guess Lemons made was very impressive in his interviews today. Um, and and he said, according to one of the, our listeners, and I, I've heard other people talking about it, that Max Playbook was so complicated that they almost used it. They had no idea how to execute uh, such a mess, he said that he he almost uh, he almost transferred. He said uh, he said he almost at the end of the year almost transferred. So so what are you hearing about that? Anything? You know, I, I've I've seen him get some touches too. And again, part of that 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 group, I don't um, you know, I did hear towards the end of the year that he had been unhappy last year. But I don't I don't know anything about him being unhappy now. I mean, I, it it's going to be. A similar situation. There's only so many, so many touches. You know, only so many carries that that running backs will have. So, it, I could be, I could see it being a situation like LSU or potentially like what you'll see at Alabama, where some of these guys are going to ultimately have to transfer or move positions, as we've seen. You know, Iverson move to the secondary to get some some reps back there too. So, I, I just at the end of the day, Lemons is was one of those guys that. Um, came in highly rated out of high school and um it just um it's going to come down to how how well they can keep folks happy i think you, i don't i don't imagine you can go with much more than a a three person rotation back there at the running back position although you know i've seen some some formations at times where they get two backs in there simultaneously but uh at the end of the day in the SEC, I don't think it's a one-back league anymore. I think that the, the physicality is too great, so you need to have two or three guys. But I think it becomes a little difficult when you're having to rotate four or five guys in there. Okay. They're telling us that Chatfield's a defensive lineman. Apologize. There are eight or 90 people on the roster, okay? I have not heard Chatfield's name mentioned the entire year, and I don't have the roster memorized, okay? I know you people follow. He's a four-star recruit. Thank you for that. But we have a lot of names to be concerned with, and we go by what we hear and read about, and what we see on the field, and what the coaches say. And I don't hear anybody talking about Andrew Chatfield. Just say it, okay? So just so you know, there. All right. Uh, so uh, final thing from Chris Doring. Chris, I appreciate your time. Always yeah. a pleasure to uh, to have you on. And uh, have you gotten to a point of looking down the schedule yet? And do you see what uh, how that lays out? Because that's going to be everything. That and injuries when the time comes. I think one thing favors Florida a little bit. Uh, the schedule is soft to start with until you get to Tennessee, and even that is a winnable game. That will give the whoever the quarterback is or quarterbacks are a chance to get some reps and get going in there. 
how much of a factor will that be? Well, here's the deal. I, I think, um, you know, when you look at the schedule, I, I would disagree with you because I think that second game of the season with the Kentucky Wildcats coming into town. Oh, I, yeah, okay. I guess I'm just used to winning that game. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously Gator folks are. For 31 straight years, Florida has, has won that game. But this is a different Kentucky team. Yeah. They are much more talented than mm-hmm. what um, we're used to seeing from them. Their offensive line returns four or five starters. They get Dorian Baker back at the wide receiver spot, a guy that uh, missed all last season because of an ankle injury. They're talented with uh, 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 Lynn Bowden's a young guy there at the receiver spot. Obviously, they have Benny Snell, who's a 1,300-yard rusher last year. Their defense is extremely experienced, too. So that is not an easy game by any means. I mean, I think that Florida fans that think they're just going to show up and beat Kentucky for a 30-second straight year are in for a little bit of a surprise. So uh, I do think... I think Kentucky, I think going to Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee is a team that has a lot of pride historically. I know they're down in talent, but it's always difficult when you go to Knoxville to play, so that's not going to be a cakewalk. But I think the game that everybody's kind of starred on the schedule is that September 29th matchup, Dan Mullen going back to Starkville. Oh, yeah. I do think, though, that Florida's in a great position because I think Mississippi State, their fans, the players, I think they put so much emotionally – onto that game that they may be overhyped for it. And so I think Florida could come in. And you know this, buddy. I'm I'm sure you've probably been there before. I don't know if you were with us when we went there in September or uh, 1992 when we got there. No, I wasn't there. I I saw the game. It's a raucous environment, as you know. It's really difficult, and I'm sure they're going to be extra vocal for Dan Mullen coming back. So, you know, I I do – you know, I I said before I thought it was an eight- or nine-win team. If they don't get the offensive line right, this is a maybe six- or seven-win team. But uh, that, that Kentucky game, to me, is a big, big football big, big, game for Florida yeah. for a lot of different reasons, uh, sure. not to mention the confidence factor. Good stuff, as always. You can catch on SEC now, XM Sirius. He'll be around. We'll get him back on the show soon. Chris, thank you so much for your time. Yeah. And um, let's hope next time we have even a better report to talk about, huh? Sounds good, man. Look forward to it. Thanks, yeah, buddy. Right. See Thanks you. Thanks very much, Chris Thorne. I want to remind folks, too, that we are having a commercial-free show tonight thanks to our sponsors uh we're attempting to reach scott carter university of florida a little bit late getting scott hopefully we'll be able to get him um and um let's see if we've got scott or somebody else hello is this scott this is scott this is buddy martin and you're live and on the air scott carter (laughs) how's it going buddy? man we're a little late we had chris doring and we got a little long-winded we apologize for that but thank you for coming on the show I'm even going to put your ugly mug up here and tell people how good you look in your blue shirt. This photograph I've got, Scott <laughs> Carter. Uh, I guess I always wonder how to identify you. I just go to floridagators.com. Is that the best way to do it? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's that's where my stuff is. Yeah, yeah, and and good stuff, I might add, too. Uh, hope we'll get to see you next week, hopefully, and uh, the, uh, when we get the Megan Mullen thing going on there. Uh, and look yeah, forward yeah. to having you here. So, um uh, did you go out to practice today? I was out there for a little while. They had an earlier one today, and then they had some media, a lot of running backs. Uh, we talked to running backs today, which, you know, is probably, the, it's, in my opinion, maybe the strongest um, position group on the team. Yes. Five of them. Uh, talk about who you like. I understand Lemons was very impressive in his interview. Yeah, you know, Lemons, he was the guy that, kind of didn't do a lot until late last year. Then he started getting some action and kick returns. And, I mean, I, I can see him definitely playing. I mean, this is an offense that they all kind of talked about how, you know, there's a lot of run option. Obviously, the running game is going to be important in any offense, but it's always been important in Mullen's offense. Uh, he's not going to go back there and throw it 50 times a game. And But guys like Jordan Scarlett and Lemons and, you know, obviously Malik Davis uh, – coming back off the knee uh, surgery a lot of people really in the spring he was kind of a mystery because you just didn't know what mm-hmm. to expect and then camp opens and you see him out there making you know really good cuts and stuff for a guy coming off a mm-hmm. you know major knee injury and he uh, he says he's ready to go Mullen says he's going to be ready to start his season um and of course for Michael P. Ryan can't forget him so yeah. all four of those guys have played obviously Lemons is the least experienced but um, I think they all can add something uh, different. And, 
you know, Scarlett having him back, I know that was a huge, yeah. huge uh, thing for them. And he's the most proven of the group. But, of course, uh, you know, who knows? I don't know how he's going to fit in the big picture. And if Davis is healthy, I mean, I like him as their, their home run hitter, as Greg Knox calls him. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, he certainly is that. Well, uh, a lot of discussions now about the offensive line uh, and about who looked good today. That seems to be the order of concern mostly. Is I know the offensive lineman uh, interviewed today. Uh, we still don't know about Hagee at this point in time. Uh, what do you know? Who you think the top? Who the five guys would be if they started tomorrow? Well, I think you know it's going to be Ivy at left tackle. Mm-hmm. Tyler Jordan's got most of the work at left guard. Yeah. The center is the the position that's yeah. kind of up in the air because you know a lot of people you know, thought T.J. McCoy was automatically going to be penciled in there, but mm-hmm. really Nick Buchanan has uh, taken as many snaps right. at number one center as, as mm-hmm. McCoy has. And then the right guard, Fred Johnson, right tackle, Jawan Taylor. Um, you know, that's it's, it's an experienced group, buddy, but we know that experience doesn't always equal production. I think that's, that's what yeah. Dan Mullen and his staff are kind of, uh, finding out if you've been out to practice, the guy who's usually yelling the most is uh, John Hevesy, the offensive line coach. I mean, he's he's really had uh, a lot of teaching to do, and I think more than anything, just trying to uh, uh, reboot the mentality there. Uh, you know, you guys, Martez Ivy obviously is a very physically gifted player, but we haven't seen what we expected to see it. I think Jawan Taylor's a solid player. I mean, I like Keggy, like you mentioned him earlier. Uh, he's been dealing with a, uh, a foot injury. I don't yeah. know how ready he's going to be at the start of the season. Yeah. He'll be in there a lot if he is. Um, so, it is the biggest question mark on the team. I mean, Mullen mm-hmm. talked about that Wednesday. Uh, I think Monday night they had a scrimmage, and uh, I think he was less than impressed by what he saw in the offensive line. And, I, you know, he kind of shared that Wednesday saying, uh, they've got a long way to go, especially between the first team and the second team. Yeah. I think right now you're you're flipping coins on the second team. Yeah, I played that bite. I asked that question later in the press conference. I played it earlier in the show. He's concerned mm-hmm. about the twos especially. And uh, he did say the most wide up center position was center uh, on the offensive line. And he was a little hesitant to say he said they're getting better. Kind of damning praise, yeah. and which means they're not very good. And they got to start playing better, and they got to have depth. And the other thing about his offensive line, you know this, uh, Scott, is that I always liken them to like a basketball team. Those five guys mm-hmm. have got to play together as a team, as a unit, you know, because you're only as good as your other guy next to you. Uh, and so I think that that unity comes with time. I like Hevesy. I think he only had 13 sacks last year at Mississippi State. And that's because mm-hmm. of the kind of offense they run, too. They don't throw a drop back and throw it every time. But I do think uh, I think that is going to be a key, how much better they get in the fir- out of the first half of the season will dictate what they can do down the stretch. No, I totally agree because when you look at at least the receivers and the running backs, I think this is probably the, the best group of skilled players uh, the Gators have yeah. had in several years yeah. as a group. But, you know, that that's not going to uh, equal a lot on the field if you can't uh, mm-hmm. get blocks, open up the running game, protect the quarterback. What's that mean for the offense? I mean, obviously you mentioned earlier, you know, they didn't give up a lot of sacks last year at Mississippi mm-hmm. State. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, their offense is a, a lot of run option, as I mentioned earlier. It allows for the quarterback to be on the move some to avoid those things because I just haven't, I haven't seen a lot to where you feel – confident at this stage where you know whoever the quarterback is can drop back there and feel comfortable in that pocket for yes, long exactly and uh so they're gonna have to uh gonna have to cover some of those weaknesses until they either get better there or obviously in the future uh do better in recruiting in that position speaking of that final question for scott carter of photogators.com uh quarterback uh, you know, obviously, like Don Nan says, if you haven't got an offensive line, you're going to the center. You can't get the ball snapped, so there's a concern. But I get the sense, this is just my own guesswork, and is that right now, de facto, the starter is going to be Felipe Franks. I hear reports he has mm-hmm. improved. Uh, I guess Trask, depending on his injury, would be number two, but it looks like they're going to, get, they're going to have packages for Emory Jones. As we speak, if they play tomorrow, that's how I would see it. Am I right about that? 
I think you're right on it. I think, uh, you know, I've seen nothing in camp that would, you know, say anyone's jumped Felipe Franks. I, I do expect mm-hmm. him to be the starter. Kyle Trask has shown some improvement, but, you know, when you have a guy like him, if he can't jump up there and overtake the job, I mean, the improvement's not been as significant as maybe a lot of people like or hoped. And I, I agree with your assessment on Emory Jones. I do think there'll be some packages for him because going back to just the, the theme we were talking about a minute ago, protection, he's the kind of quarterback that can, you know, get away from a line of scrimmage immediately and make some plays on the outside with his legs. And that, that helps the offensive line. You don't put so much stress on them. Uh, so I don't know what he would be as a passer at this point. I think he has a lot of growth there, but he does offer some playmaking ability uh, right off the bat. You know, when you're dealing with some uh, holes on the offense, giving defenses different looks consistently is one way to disguise uh, some issues. All right. The, 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 the other side of the Gator Kingdom is enchanted with this guy, uh, Andrew Chatfield, who I really hadn't heard. I do remember the name vaguely. I haven't heard his name called all season. I guess he was a four-star, uh, and they're talking a lot about him. What have you heard about Chatfield, and what do you know about him? I'm like you. I, don't, I mean, I haven't so, paid yeah. a lot of attention yeah, to him really. in camp. I do know that, you know, they liked him as, from a physical uh, standpoint. Uh, you know, he's got some good tools to work on the line. I, I just I can't say right now that he's going to be a prominent in their uh, – their plans at the start of season. I know they certainly wouldn't to be in the future, but yeah. it's curious to what the the interest is. Maybe I am too. There. I really am too. I can't figure it out. But anyway, I get it. he's six two two twenty five according to Nat, who's pretty uh, on on it. Uh, but you know that that hybrid position on the defensive line, you don't know. I mean that that's a strong position right now. Well, that's one of the strongest positions for the three guys they got there, as Dan pointed out yesterday. I don't know whether this guy plays with his hand on the ground or up as a linebacker. So anyway, I just wondered if I was the only person, because I know that, that Chris Doring hadn't heard of him either. So just in case, I wanted to be sure I wasn't missing <laughs> maybe, something. Maybe, so. maybe he's, a, he's got his fan club. Secret there, weapon, I guess. Huh? Getting you up. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> well, we'll do the best to find do, out about it. I do it. like that defensive line as a whole. and You know, uh, one thing that Mullen, you may have already mentioned, but he, he – kind of raised my eyebrows yesterday. He he raved about uh Jakai Polite, his pass rush. Yeah, I like, yeah, and I think uh, Polite and Zaniga are really a promising guys, in my opinion. Yeah. I agree totally. I think that could be the strength of the defense, uh some of those edge guys, but those two guys, obviously C C Jefferson and a guy who I'm writing about for the weekend. I talked to him a little bit yesterday, Jeremiah Moon. I just yeah. I really like a lot about his uh his game it, he's, Yeah. He's primed for a breakout season in right. defense. Just real quick, uh, some of my guys here, they're pretty sharp, uh, say he's, he's, a, he's a freshman. Jordan uh, Victory, he trucked Jeremiah Moon, supposedly. Uh, suppose, <laughs> uh, I don't know what that means exactly. He ran over him. Uh, and he was a uh, number one defensive end in Florida, the class of 18. So we'll have to find out. About, we'll do our homework and find out next time. So uh, No, yeah, he's, he's good. I mean, he's definitely a good prospect. Yeah, but he's not talking. They're not him. talking about him in, in, in where I'm going, but we'll find out about it. Listen, Scott, always a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much. Have a good weekend. And, hey, it's the last one for you. will be working every weekend from now on. Getting ready to get busy, man. I'll, it be, is. I'll be seeing you a lot of Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it, Scott. Thank you, man. All right, see you, buddy. Appreciate it. Scott Carter from floridagators.com and we're behind time and trying to get to the iron duke who's going to be wondering what happened to us you know i mean he gets cranky and then i don't get to him and i don't blame you we just seem like we tonight is the night when we got so much going on it's really hard uh to get it all in you know what i mean and we're even with commercial free and thank you to our sponsors by the way uh for letting us happen and we'll go ahead and call france and see if we can get that going but I want to say thank you to these folks because uh, they're kind enough to let us do this. They pay good money, and this is tonight. We're kind of like the Masters tonight. We're going commercial free, uh, and we'll uh, we'll let our our, our 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 sponsors sponsor things like this with with the Iron Duke himself. Uh, and I'm putting these sponsors up on the screen right here, right now, as we get the Iron Duke. Thanks to uh, Ocala Quarterback Club, Dr. Frank Cannon, Danny Williams, Center State Bank. 
Tupperware Gin, one of our own. There's the address right there. Uh, Center State Bank, as I mentioned earlier, I got it there twice. Daniel L. Hightower, lawyer fighting for accident victim justice since 1976. Ridstar Medical Research, Mark's Prime Steak House and Seafood in CD Farms, Florida. They are bringing you the program today, commercial free, and the Iron Duke is in the house. Good evening, Francis. Good evening. It's been a life in the big city. Well, the little city's uh, life is good. Just been extremely busy getting all these great guests on tonight. And now the anchor, as an anchor man, you're here. Well, uh, you know, it's Thursday and where else would I be? Well, maybe different places starting next week. We, we start football Friday. So you never know. <laughs> football Friday coming up next week. We still got to get your show launched too one of these days. How's That's the family, good. first of all? Well, everybody is home now. So that's good. That's good. We've, you know, we've had two weeks in the hospital, and now uh-huh. everybody, everybody's home, mm-hmm. and hopefully everybody's going to stay home. For I a hope while. so too, friends. I'm glad to hear that they're home, and yeah. hopefully you can stay home a little bit too as well. So <laughs> that would be a concept, wouldn't it? It would. Now, now <laughs> I'll let you start it off, but we had a lot of talk about the offensive line tonight. Everybody's talking about it, uh, and uh, and there seemed to be. A, a lot of doubt creeping in right now. I know you're a Hevesy person. I like Hevesy, as you point out, and I pointed out 13 sacks last year. But that's what an experienced offensive line. And you're a basketball guy. I made this analogy earlier talking with somebody that, that the offensive line is like a five guys on the floor in basketball. You've got to be able to know who to post up and who's, going to be, who's got your back and what have you. And they've got to play as a unit. And that's the thing that's concerning a lot of people. But uh, I know you've been tied up with your family. You haven't had a chance to do a lot of, of studying and whatever, and I, I appreciate that. But I'm not, not going to put you to the test. But general thoughts about the offensive line. Well, I, I think the offensive line is going to be vastly improved. Um, I, I, I look no further than uh, Jawan Taylor over on the right side, Martez Ivy on the left. They have lost weight. They are stronger physically, but at the same time they've dropped the weight and they are now quicker off the edge. That's, you know, Florida gave up a ton of sacks last year because Ivy and Taylor just weren't quick enough to handle the speed rushers off the edge. And they consistently got, were beaten. Um, Heavensy, Heavensy last year had an offensive line that wasn't, you know, there weren't, it, it was not viewed going into the season as a great offensive line turned out to be they only gave up 13 sacks um he's his offensive lines have been really really good over the years there and that's without you know four and five star talent he's been doing it with the guys that everybody else overlooks i think he's had a few three stars but most of his guys have been two star talent uh over the years He's had a lot of JUCO guys that have come in, and those are guys that everybody else overlooked. And yet their lines have consistently performed well. Uh, I'll give you an idea. You know, we've struggled with with rushing yards here over the years. And yet Mullen's first year, uh, Mississippi State rushes for 224. 215 the next year, they pass for more yards. 175, which would have been a great year at Florida. Uh, then they went down to 144, 144 and, and that was because they had a lot of injuries that year. And, but then they go up back up 189, then 233, then 144 again. That was with a rookie quarterback. Then up to 230 last year, uh, 251. This line is consistently out. You know, this line, you look at the, the rushing yards, uh, they've really, really done well over the years. I'm a I'm a Hevesy guy. I think the I think Florida is going to be vastly improved. And and let's face it, buddy, any improvement is going to be good. I mean, last year Florida gave up 37 sacks. The year before, 28. The year before that, 45. Those are the three years of Jim McElwain. Yeah, I mean, 45, 37, and 28. You know, my gosh, Hevesy's offensive line only gave up more than more twenty eight sack more than twenty eight sacks mm-hmm. once 
in nine years. Yeah. I mean, you just look. You just look at at the total. Look at the rushing yard. You know, let's look at yards per carry since uh, since the 2011 season. Uh, 3.96, 4.53. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. 3.63, mm-hmm. 4.36. That's below average. 3.48, 3.69, Last year they averaged 4.3, and we thought, wow, that it was an improvement. It was an improvement, but in, in, when it comes to rushing yards, if you're not averaging at least 4.5 yards a rush, you're you're vastly underperforming. Yeah. Tremendously underperforming. Uh, look at the another number to look at is yards per pass attempt. A lot of the yards per pass attempt, people tend to look at that as a, as a case of, of uh, having fast wide receivers. Not necessarily so. So much of yards per pass attempt has to do with the fact that you got to get rid of the ball early because you don't trust your line. Florida averaged 6.3 yards per pass attempt last year. Anything below seven and a half yards per attempt is pretty weak. Okay, they averaged averaged six point eight year before, uh, seven point two, which is the best they which was the best they've had since the two thousand ten season. Two thousand ten, uh, actually since two thousand nine, that was the first time, that was the best that they've had since two thousand seven point two, and that's below average. Seven point five is a standard. You know, don't always always look at 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 things like that. Look at at what you're averaging per pass attempt. That those that's as as telling a stat as there is in football. All right, how about stop you right there for one second? Excuse me, that's good stuff. I got on the screen a bio of a player who's been discussed a lot. And when we, we, I was asking about it. And I don't really follow the guys who haven't played. I don't know the incoming freshmen. I know the ones who've been there. Uh, and I asked a couple of the people on the program tonight. Only one of them knew who he was, uh, had heard him. I've never had the coaches talk about him. But the name Andrew Chatfield, you might know because of recruiting. Yeah, it's a guy that he was a guy that they they brought in from Mississippi as a center. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he, they love him. Actually, they, actually, according to the stats here, he played for Sertan at American Heritage. That he played. Oh, that's, Okay. Okay. Uh, played three years of varsity football, combined 37-2 in undefeated state championship runs, junior senior year. Finished with 220 tackles, 41 sacks, two okay, interceptions. Okay, you're talking about the defensive end there. Yes. Uh, anyway, on on 2016 class five all all state, uh, 84 tackles, 77. Anyway, there's the information uh, on him, and uh, some people thought we were a little bit uh, out of it because we didn't know and. I didn't know much about him. I remember him being recruited, but that's all. And when I go up to Gainesville, and this is on me, I'm sure, is that, you know, I don't, as I hear a coach talking about him or read something about him or have a reason to know, to watch him play, and I have not seen the scrimmage, I don't know him. I just wondered if I was the only person. Apparently, Chris Doring didn't know him either. So. Uh, okay, I, I got him mixed up with the kid that they signed last year who was the center. Uh, last year, Last year, they signed... Uh, mm-hmm. Last year they signed a, a center that uh, out of uh, let's see let me what's his name here. Well, you can look it up. That's all while we're talking here. Uh, just to say that hey, we don't know everything, but we know where to find it if we need to. And uh, I appreciate. By the way, I do appreciate uh, our listeners and followers. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, keeping us up to speed on it because we can't know everything. And the great thing about the Gator Nation Kingdom is is that we have people who know how to find out things. So, so much for that. You know, I, I, I got him, I was thinking, got him mixed up with Griffin McDowell. But yeah, mm-hmm. Chatfield's the defensive end. I thought we were talking about offensive line, and I got him mixed up with Griffin McDowell, the kid out of, uh, out of Leesburg, Georgia, which, which is uh, Lee County High School, same uh, school that gave us, uh, gave us our great punter, uh, our great All-American punter. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Urban, who Urban used to say when you go out on the field, make it wet, you know, because he, yeah. he got so high. Yeah. But, so uh, we, I just want to get a couple of things in before we uh, we, we touch on one other subject uh, with you. 
uh, and hopefully you'll be back in action soon with your stuff that you're doing. Uh, uh, I asked this question earlier in the week, and I don't think you, I got you to weigh in on it. We were asking people about what's the talent level at Florida on a scale of 1 to 10, and then we asked to rank the quarterbacks 1, 2, and 3. I don't think you weighed in on that, did you? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. You want to? Uh, rank the quarterbacks 1, 2, 3. Yeah. It's pretty simple. Right now, Felipe Franks with an edge over over Kyle Trask and Emory Jones uh, learning quick and coming along, but not not ready for prime time. Don't you see it the same as 2006 with the packages for Jones like there was for Tebo, but different kind of offense, but the same principle. Uh, same principle. Yeah, he's they're going to have a package for him every ball game, and it's going to be a lot like Tebow did that they didn't really trust Tebow until it got into October. That LSU game was the game when we really saw them trust Tim Tebow. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that was the one, and that was like I think it's about game five mm-hmm. that year. And but that's when we finally saw him. But they had they'd run Tebow in specialty packages. They let him, you know, and and it was it was interesting too because he was Tim. Tim was a lot of people thought Tim ought to be the guy from day one. They were saying, let him play, make the mistakes, and we'll have three great years afterward. Mm-hmm. And they forgot that you know Chris Leak was a five star talent coming out of high school, and it just took the right coach uh, working with him and bringing out the best of him, designing the offense to fit it to fit him. I, now I bring up Chris Leak for one basic reason. Everybody keeps, you know, I, I talked to somebody today and I mentioned Felipe Frank's name and his eyes rolled back. In his I head. know I hear that a lot. And and you know, let's look back to that 2005 2006 season particularly 2006 because in 2006 they had really figured out what he could what Chris Leak could do and they tailored the offense to his skill set and they brought in Tebow to do some things that that Chris couldn't do or wouldn't do I see that happening here and I see them bringing out the best in Felipe Franks uh when the offense really got tailored to what Chris Leak could do, Chris Leak had a had an outstanding 2006 season, and all you got to do is look at what he did to Ohio State in the national championship game. Uh, if if we don't if we remember, uh, Ohio State had the Heisman Trophy quarterback. Mm-hmm. Remember him? I do. Uh, guess who played like the Heisman Trophy quarterback that night? It certainly, it certainly wasn't Mr. Smith. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. Smith, uh, Mr. Smith, who spent more time on his backside than he did than he did moving the ball. And forward. those big old offensive linemen couldn't stay up with the with the quickness of the defensive line of Florida. But but the point is is that Chris Lee in that game played totally under control. Ohio State was playing its safeties and its corners back. So he took what they gave them and picked them apart. That whole ball game. He didn't throw anything close to an interception. Mm-hmm. He played like the Heisman Trophy quarterback. Yeah. I think that's a good omen and a good uh, predictor of what is going to happen with Felipe Franks and or mm-hmm. Kyle Trask. Mm-hmm. They finally have a coach. Who knows how to bring out the best in them and and tailor the offense to what they do best, and and I think you, I, I think we're going to be amazed at the difference in what we see this year and what we saw the last three years out of our quarterbacks here at Florida. Jim McElwain supposedly was this great quarterback guru, and then Doug Numbnutsmeyer and and the you know between those two, I. I, I the worst quarterback coaching in the SEC by far in the previous three years was those two guys. And I look at, at, at what Mullen and Brian Johnson did there at Mississippi State. They brought quarterbacks along. I mean, Fitz, Nick Fitzgerald was a guy whose best offers were Samford and Chattanooga other than Mississippi State. And people talk, look at him and Joe Moorhead, the new coach at Mississippi State, says, in my offense, he may win a Heisman Trophy this year. Yeah. Good points. Uh, 
I want to switch the subject for a moment uh, in the remaining minutes we got. And this is a commercial-free night. Thanks again to all of our great sponsors. And I want to be sure to mention them again and put them on the screen because uh, uh, they allowed us to do this tonight. And so we get everybody in. It's, uh, it's a, a jam-up night, as we say, down south. So a lot of information. And these people are, are making a res res this uh, difference in this. And I've got one of them done there twice. But anyway, thanks to all these folks for making it possible to have a commercial-free night here on the Buddy Martin Show. Next week, we'll be going to five days instead of four. Uh, and uh, by the way, I also want to mention today on my program, earlier today, I had a show called, uh, it's a show called uh, Our Town, and we had uh, uh, people from the Ocala Quarterback Club on to talk about the upcoming Wednesday night, Megan Mullen uh, Banquet, which is uh, not a banquet, it's a family night, uh, and I hope Franz will be here at the... Uh, I will definitely be there. I won't miss Miss Megan. Center State Bank, and, uh, and that night we'll hear about uh, the Scott Brantley Trophy, which is, I'm really proud of. A watch list came out today, France, with 21 names from six counties uh, who will be uh, nominated the first off the bat for the high school player in the six-county area who has uh, who's the best football player, uh, best academically, uh, best character, and best citizen. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that goes. Now, shifting gears to one more thing before we go to bed tonight. It's going to come up soon in the next, maybe next two or three days, the dispensation of the Urban Meyer case. I still don't have any clue what's going to happen. I've intentionally stayed away from talking about it because I don't have any information. Uh, I've listened to people bash Urban. I've heard people, uh, you, you all got your opinions. I'm not here to try to talk you out of anything. I know a little more about it maybe than you do in this regard, not because of what happened in Columbus, but about who the man is. But that's another story, and France does too. And I've spent time with her, been a, a lot of time with her. Anyway, neither here nor there. My thoughts and prayers are with his family, uh, and we'll see what happens. A lot of people want to see him fall, want to see him uh, get fired, whatever maybe. Well, okay, I'm sorry. I don't take great delight in people's failure. But let's see what happens. And uh, you said from day one you got kind of outraged about it. There's no way Ohio State is going to fire Urban Meyer. And that's back when everybody had him out the door. You want to retract that? You want to reemphasize that? How do you feel about it? Uh, I feel the exact same way I felt from the beginning, is that they're not going to fire Urban Meyer. Uh, not over this. If this was like what D.J. Durkin had where a player had died <laughs> – then, yeah, I think D.J. Durkin is as good as out the door. I think he is as good as gone at the University of Maryland. Um, I think Urban is going to survive. I, I think there will be maybe a suspension of sorts. Maybe he will get suspended for, for a few ball games. Uh, maybe he'll have to pay a fine out of his salary. Uh, maybe donate a million dollars of his salary, for example, to to uh, women's abuse, you know, uh, preventing women's abuse or something like that. Ohio State has reaped too many benefits out of him. And this isn't like Jim Trestle. With Jim Trestle, Ohio State, he would, Trestle would still be the coach if the NCAA hadn't threatened Ohio State with losing a couple more years of, of, of bowl games. Uh, Ohio State lost one year, and the NCAA threatened with a whole lot more than that. And that's the only reason they got rid of Trestle. Uh, and even when Trestle left, they gave him this great big financial package to say, hey, thank you much kindly for what you did. You know, I, 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 I tell you right now, Urban Meyer is going to be the football coach at Ohio State University. If he was going to be gone, he would be gone already. Okay, Trust there you me. go. All right. Uh, so so uh, we'll know probably soon. I don't know what's going to happen to Durkin. Durkin, of course, was here. He coached for Meyer, people forget, and then he coached for Muschamp. He was a holdover. Um, all I knew about DJ was good. Somebody made a terrible mistake in Maryland, and this is going to be, as you say, much more serious than what happened. Uh, I'm not making light of domestic violence, but Urban Meyer never strung, swung a punch there, just so you know, okay? In no, in no way was he uh, – he might have been uh, uh, he he might have been uh, ignorant, or he might have been a, a a little too loyal to the subject, but he didn't throw a punch, and he wasn't he never would endorse domestic violence. All right, Francis, any final thoughts this evening before we call it a night? And uh, and big uh, scrimmage coming up on Wednesday. Uh huh. 
Um, Dan Mullen says that that he's going to know. I mean, it's a big scrimmage coming up mm-hmm. Sunday is right. what I'm saying. Right. And uh, Dan Mullen says he is going to know who his quarterback is going to be. He may not may announce not share it. May not share it, he said. Yeah. May not share it, but yeah. he's going to know who, who that quarterback is. So do I, by uh, the way. I, I think Felipe Franks is going to be the quarterback, at least to start it off with. I don't. I, I think Kyle Trask is going to get his shot early on, particularly against Charleston Southern. Unless, that, unless he's got a hand injury right now, he's got two fingers taped up. We'll see if yeah. that works out. But I think you're right. He'll get a shot. He'll get a shot, and Emory's going to get get some playing time. Yeah. You know, starting out with Charleston Southern is a really good thing for the Florida Gators. I think you're right. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I'm I'm I think that that this is going to be uh, you got Charleston Southern, and then you got Kentucky coming here in game two, and Kentucky's going to be a really tough ball game for Florida. Kentucky's got a lot of good ball players yeah. coming back. I think sure. Florida wins that game, but they got a lot of good ball players coming back. I think that that Mullen has got to go into that first game with an idea of of really settling in on a guy. I think he's going to give all three of them a shot. I think um, one of them may indeed be the emerge as the guy after that game one, but. I, I think that that he's really looking for somebody to to step it up and be that guy. Um, I, you know, we tend to forget Felipe Franks was so highly regarded out of high school. Everybody wanted him when he came here. It was a big coup. And all I can say is I look at what happened with quarterbacks under Jim McElwain, and I don't think it was a good thing. And uh, I got to believe that 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 he's he's a talented kid who just hasn't been coached and so i'm looking forward to seeing what happens with it with him being coached up good not good note to end on francis we'll talk to you on monday night and have a great weekend all right you also buddy and right. my best to miss Joni. you got you it i'll kick your coverage absolutely buddy thank you thanks all right france beard we're saying good night to all you folks out there as well uh we want to be sure and uh let you know we're coming back to you on Monday and uh, stuff going on there. I'll have a good schedule. We might might get uh, uh, some surprise guests on next week, as we'll find out. I think that we are about to wrap it up here. Let's see if we, what we got going on. Here we go. Okay, we'll go out with this and say good night, everybody. 